Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. It's like I said, hey, we're going to go to the amusement park. And then after we read, went on one ride, I said, hey, we're going to leave the amusement park and come back in three hours. Maybe. Are we going back? I don't know. I don't know. And and while you're on the three-hour break, you and all of your children get diarrhea. Welcome to sort of checking out the competition, but not actually, because we don't actually have any competition. But I figured since I would have been bothering John Fisher of All About the Jersey, because there should have been devil's games the last couple of days i would bother him about what the hell is going on in hockey right now because his team is a bit of a mess the flyers with each passing day are getting messier so we're just going to have a little chat about the state of things it's going to be super casual and as such i am recording this on my couch with a beer instead of at my counter like i normally do when i'm trying to be professional John, how are you? I am being quite professional today. I have no liquids near me, and I am <laughs> sitting upright in a chair wearing mm. pants. Look at this guy. Yep. I'm even wearing shoes, too. Okay. Well, that's psychotic. This is something. So I, okay, first of all, in my soul, I'm a Canadian person. I don't know why I was born this way, but they made some kind of mistake somewhere. And I was born down here, but I was supposed to be up there. And I mm. lived there for six months. And I don't understand why Americans can't take their shoes off when they come in the house. Well, it's for a variety of reasons. Um, you know, people are different, Kelly. I don't know from where you come from, but people can be different. <laughs> but some people have poor circulation to their feet and therefore their feet get cold. Slippers. They also live in apartments where they have no carpeting. So mm -hmm. it's all wooden floors. Uh -huh. And there's also the fact that in my case, I paid good money for these sneakers because I had to get new sneakers when the pandemic began and everything was locked down in New Jersey. So I had to resort to hoping I could find the exact pair of sneakers on Amazon in my size because I know they would fit me. Yeah. And uh, they were not in regular stock, but I found a reseller who was selling them for an amount of money I'm not interested in sharing at the moment. But I paid a good amount of money and damn it, I am going to get all the value possible out of these sneakers. Fair enough. Desperate times. Yes. And most importantly, they're fresh. Okay. I guess that's fair enough. Anyway, we're getting off. I already got off topic and it's been 30 seconds. Let's talk about COVID-19 and the NHL. So we are recording this almost 6.30 p.m. in the evening, which means we've seen today's COVID list. The Flyers added Scott Lawton. And in what is probably the worst case scenario for the Flyers, Oscar Lindblom. I don't know exactly 
what Oscar Lindblom's health situation is. Obviously, none of us do. I don't know if once you've beaten cancer, there's always something weakened within you. I don't know. I don't know if he's any more at risk than anybody else. But just knowing what he went through in the last year makes you kind of like, oh, oh, no. A little bit more than a normal hockey player. So I'm a little bit worried about that. John, the Devils have 18 players on the list at this point, right? That is correct. Unfortunately, they they uh, took Palmieri and Zaka off on Wednesday and then put him back on Thursday, and they've held steady for Friday. So I'm not going to make you list 18 players. That's too many. No, no. I could, I, I could shorten it and tell you the players who haven't made the list. <laughs> so the Flyers have Limblom and, and Lawton. Morgan Frost, who we are theorizing Morgan Frost is on the protocol simply because he traveled to Colorado for surgery and not anything actually having to do with the virus. Like, he probably just has to do it as a matter of course. Yes, that's exactly what happened. Why Connor Carrick is on the list and why Sammy Vatnin and Nico Heischer are on the list, because they've been apart from the team and they're on the protocol because they have to go through it before they can think about joining the team again. Okay. So Voracek, Giroux, Braun, and Travis Sanheim. So, you know, pretty much the core of the team at this point. Um, so, so here's kind of what I wanted to, I just kind of wanted to, because I, I have a sense of what the Flyers community is thinking about this whole thing, which is kind of like, okay, this is, this is not good. It's not right, going right. the way that we hoped it would. Perhaps we ought to consider some kind of league-wide shutdown to get it under control. What is the pulse of the New Jersey fan base right now? It's definitely all over the place. I mean, in the case with the Devils, a lot of this came suddenly, in a sense. Um, just to give a bit of timeline and a bit of background for all of you out there, uh, Mackenzie Blackwood was the first player to enter the Devils list way back on the 19th of January. He was put on there before the Islanders game. And then a week later, after the Devils unfortunately lost to the Philadelphia Flyers because Carter Hart decided to play like a hockey player at the NHL level that night. (laughs) um, After that game, Travis Zajac became the second Devil to enter the protocol list for testing reasons, not in the case of Arundel or Vatnin because they were traveling to the country. And then on Buff, and then the big the big turning point in all this was the infamous game in Buffalo on January 31st, that Sunday, where literally right before face-off, Kyle Palmieri was uh, classified as having failed a test and therefore was pulled from the game. And then the game went ahead. And shortly after that game, the Devils list just exploded with players. And Buffalo also started having positive cases for the first time. So... The, the fact that and the devil and the devils and the Sabres played back to back that weekend. So if Palmieri became positive Sunday, it's not impossible to think that he was positive on Saturday, but somehow um, he managed to pass his tests. And as a result of that weekend, um, a couple of thoughts have come up here and there. Uh, first and foremost is in retrospect, that game on Sunday, we now know should not have been played. Yeah. I mean, simple as. Um, Second point is it's less wanting a league shutdown, mostly because this happened to the Devils, the Sabres, and then a couple of days later, we started seeing cases out of Minnesota and a little bit in Colorado. 
But the understanding is that that's four teams out of 31. Like, if, if your teams are ready to go and they're okay to play, go play your games. Um, you know, there isn't really a lot of feeling among the Devils fans that um, other teams should be standing still. Mm, okay. Especially with the fact that this is already a, a, comp, a, a very compact season to begin with. The, the basic idea here is... Uh, you got to get through these games, get a season in, get a playoffs in, and then hope and knock on all the wood that uh, you go back to a normal schedule for 2021-2022 season with a September camp and an October start date. And I've had that confirmed when I was recently on the the Jablam Hockey Show uh, mm-hmm. with an NHL.com writer uh, who covers Toronto, who name unfortunately escapes me at the moment, but Is Dave Peter spoke. Peter something? No, Peter is the host. Uh, the other oh. guest. Dan, he writes for NHL.com, and he made it very clear that the NHL ownership, the people in the NHL, they want to get back to normalcy for 2021-2022. So that's kind of like the end goal here. And he actually proposed this idea that actually may, unfortunately, may have to be the case, where you may have to do what the AHL is doing and have divisions of unequal games. Mm. So, for example, the North Division, which only just recently had its first positive case in Jesse Pujarvi in Edmonton, that North Division might be able to get through all 56 games. And they all play within each other. So it's not like you have, you know, if the Devils and Philadelphia and Buffalo are, have a lot of positive cases, that doesn't really impact Ottawa's schedule. You know, they're not going to play each other anyways. So if they can get to 56 games, great. But for the other divisions if they only can play 48 or they can only play 42. And unfortunately it depends on how hard that May 8th uh, season end date is going to be. But if push comes to shove, I think that's what I I foresee. That's going to be what what will happen here. And And you've already seen type of thing again, basically um, that you already seen signs with this, with the NHL already starting to highlight the points percentage earned. Now that's always been, in the standings, but, uh, and that's always been used as the primary tiebreaker since the primary tiebreaker is games played, but that may define your playoff situation. And from a competitive standpoint, it's still balanced in the sense that if the East division has to go down to 40 games, then everybody in the East plays 40 games. It's not like, you know, Pittsburgh plays 48 and Philadelphia plays 42 and, you know, Philadelphia gets in because they have a superior points percentage and Pittsburgh blew their eight extra games and miss it. You would probably like seeing that, but <laughs> your listeners may like seeing that, but the world of hockey may not like seeing that. So it would have to be equal across the divisions. Um, but at the very least, then you can at least still maintain the playoff, the balanced playoff format that they want to have. And then you can have your cup awarded in July, like they're originally planning and then have your draft, have your off season, and then get back to normalcy, hopefully for the fall. Yeah. So that's, how I see it so far. The concerning bit is the fact that it's February 12th and the Devils are still at 18. Like I was hoping that by now that list would be down a couple names. And the fact that your team, your favorite team, Philadelphia is now up to, um, to, yeah, yeah, they're adding players and Buffalo has added players and we're seeing other teams adding players like the aforementioned Paul Jujarvi at Edmonton, um, Anthony Duclair in Florida, um, Steven Stomkos was added to the list in Tampa Bay. Now, again, not everybody on the list is there because they failed or they have the virus. It could be they had a false positive or a false negative. Mm-hmm. So, you know, 
but I, I can already foresee that like a virus, it doesn't get better. It's going to get worse before it gets better. Well, it's, I mean, it's essentially the same as like general population. It, it transmits exponentially. Like it, it doesn't, you know, one person gets it and then one other person gets it. It, it, you know, one person gets it and then they give it to two and then they give it to eight and then, you know, that whole thing. Exactly. And I am actually, I've decided, and this is obviously not at all official, and it's just a thing that I made up in my brain, that if a player goes on and doesn't come off in 72, 96 hours, then they're definitely positive. That's what I've decided. I I think that's a fair assumption, because the tricky thing about this particular virus is that you can be asymptomatic, meaning Mm -hmm. you show no signs that you are sick. Yeah. And on top of that, you might, you know, pass protocols. I mean, the NHL protocols, like the NBA's protocols and the NFL's protocols, are very strict. I think there's this assumption, especially after the Devil's Buffalo game, that, oh, they were too weak. And it's like, it's not really that weak. If anything, it's a lot stronger than what you would need to go to your local ShopRite here in New Jersey, Um, which is to say, just wear a mask and you can go to ShopRite in New Jersey. Like there's no one stopping you at the door to check your temperature or anything like that. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's ShopRite. People go there to shop. I don't know if they have ShopRites necessarily where you are, but yeah. Okay. Well then you know exactly what I'm referring to. It's a place where lots of people gather to buy food. It's probably the least safe environment you could possibly be in for the general population. Yeah. Um, but um, you know, the NHL has, pulled out some more changes to their protocols to try to make it even stronger. But I think you're right. I think if you're on this list for more than a couple days, I think we can safely rule out the fact that unless we know you left the team to get surgery or you left the team because you're welcoming a newborn into the world like Connor Carrick did, or you're trying to get into the country because the team signed you a month ago and you didn't get your visa because Finnish bureaucracy is Finnish bureaucracy, Sammy Vatanen. Uh, Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, but it, but that's the crazy thing, Kelly, is that it's entirely possible they could have con- come into contact with somebody at their local shop, right? And that's how they got the virus. It oh, doesn't have to be within the team. For sure. But, but here, and this is, a, so this is another thing I don't understand about how they're handling this. So the Flyers' journey into COVID protocols began uh, right before the, um, my brain, this is what happens when I have one solitary beer my brain turns off um i'm just pulling up the flyer schedule because it was right before the uh capitals game right tuesday no sunday's capital sunday game was when travis sanheim was a kind of surprising late scratch and no one knew why and then that's when we found out that he went into the protocol he was the first one Right. This is and this is what I don't understand. Travis Stanheim practiced with the team on Saturday. So how in the whole world, if Travis Stanheim is considered a possible exposed human being, right? And he's been on now for a week, so I'm guessing probably has it. Who practiced with the team on the ice without masks? sat on the bench, went into the locker room, all of these things. How is the entire team not part of the COVID protocol? That's the part that I can't wrap my brain around because these guys are on top of each other all the time. Well, um, that is a very good question. I mean, obviously, I don't have 
a definitive answer. I'm not an epidemiologist and I'm obviously not, you know, with the medical staff of the Philadelphia Flyers. And I know you aren't either. Um, Not yet. Not not yet. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, the what? The best I can figure, Kelly, is think of it like when you go to school in some, or you go to work, like in an office place, or you work, let's use ShopRite as, again as an example. And somebody shows up with like, not the coronavirus, but let's say they have a cold, you know, something minor, right? It's entirely possible that that person can come across 20 different people at the store, at school, at work. And for even though they're all within the same distance, they are sharing the same air, they're sharing the same environment, you know, they have the same level of contact that they would have at a school, at, a, at work, at, at a shop, right? Not, not like hockey where you're literally bodying each other up mm-hmm. and then you get to go hang out in a, in a locker room and then sit on a bench right next to each other. But you're in fairly close contact with them from a respiratory standpoint. Yeah. And then, you know, how many of those 20 people are going to get a cold? Like maybe a couple will and a couple for whatever reason won't because maybe they already had a cold or maybe their immune immune system happens to be stronger or it's just sheer luck that whatever would quote unquote infect them with the cold, uh, it didn't, it didn't take for whatever reason. And that's the real tricky thing. The other tricky thing about this particular virus is that we don't know if the non, the flyers not on this list, are they ticking time bombs to show show up on this list in like five days or is it a particular, or maybe they had the coronavirus not knowing like earlier this past year Mm -hmm. over the past, however many months, five, six months before, you know, hockey resumed and therefore they have antibodies that protect them. Or again, they just got lucky and maybe you should go out and play the lotto because, you know, they hung around with some coronavirus infected people and don't have coronavirus. So they're pretty lucky. I mean, all those things are valid possibilities. and, And unfortunately, uh, uh, short of God, uh, <laughs> I couldn't tell you what's real. So you know what I think it is, John? I think that it's kind of, pardon my French, a whole bunch of bullshit. Because I think that the league is trying very hard to hang on to the idea that it's not being transmitted in-game. Right. And that, I think, is just a little bit absurd like the idea of it is absurd i don't know which medical experts or epidemiologists told them that this is a thing that makes sense but essentially it, it would be like if you were at the shop right standing in line waiting to pay and someone bumped into you and sneezed in your face with no mask on yeah and then kept it moving like the idea that you would not be in danger of getting some something anything from that person yeah it doesn't have to be coronavirus it could be a cold it's it's crazy to me and i i just i worry none of it really worried me if i'm being quite honest because of the the fact that these guys are pretty superhuman as far as you know health and condition and all that kind of stuff and they've got resources we don't have exactly they have a medical staff you and i don't have a medical staff exactly it wasn't until marco rossi the kid for the Minnesota Wild who can't play this year because of lasting COVID-19 issues. Right, and right. that's the thing that scares me is that we don't know if any, like if that's going to happen to another one of these guys. And then that starts to make me think like, what are we doing here? 
I don't know. Okay. It's, it's very complicated. No, it's not. Well, let me be the first to say your feelings are perfectly valid. These are legitimate concerns. And, you know, if I were Gary Bettman or Bill Daly, I'm stress eating everything in sight because <laughs> these are questions that I have to constantly weigh against. Um, and also not just not just Gary Bettman and Bill Daly, but also Donald Farrer, the NHLPA and the and the whoever the um, the representatives of each individual team at the PA as well, because mm-hmm. um, in a sense, the NHL and the NHLPA, they're kind of in the same boat with respect to the admittance that you can transmit the virus during a game. It's one of those things that similar to, say, let, let's say injuries, for example. Obviously, you can get hurt playing hockey. Right. But you don't go out and say, hey, this sport is dangerous and it could really, really mess you up. Because if you start saying that, then you start opening yourself up to liability. You start opening yourself up to a whole lot of bad publicity. Mm-hmm. And, and, and to your point, it gets you down the question of what are we even doing here? And the thing about the transmission is that it's bigger than just the NHL. Because if the NHL starts saying, oh, yeah, we could transmit the virus while playing, the NBA the, and the PA, the NBA PA, or the NBPA, I should say, they're going to ask the same exact questions. And then you're going to start seeing those same questions pop up throughout every single league and so forth. So it's almost like a domino effect of like, if they say what we're all thinking, if they all point to the elephant in the room here, all of a sudden we're going to go, okay, so what are we doing exactly? And and we're, and the hockey is in a very, very tough spot because you've got a TV contract ending. You've got a new team entering the league for next season. Um, you've got, you know, another year of every player's life, as we know, hockey players' lives, like at most athletes, it's a very short career. Mm-hmm. And losing a year, I mean, you already lost a good chunk of 2020. Um, Blowing, you know, burning 2021, you know, for some of these guys, you know, that could be an end of a career, a lost payday. It could be an, an opportunity they would never get again to start a career. So, I mean, there's a lot at stake here. And to admittedly say that this is, going to be transmittable which i think is fair i think it's a fair thing for us to say but if yeah. we hear it from bettman and daly and we hear it from fair and we hear it from the players you know that's going to only happen i mean you might as well start the uh the press release that says we're going to shut down the league for x amount of time and then right. of course the big guns the other question of well how long do you shut down for when is it safe to come back do you wait till everyone's vaccinated do you wait until Rossi or other people's complications go away? There's no clear answer, unfortunately. And what yeah. makes it even more complex, Kelly, is the fact that other leagues around the world are trying to navigate the same things with varying levels of success. Not that I think the NHL should follow the KHL, <laughs> their approach of just, you know, what the hell, we'll just play the games. Uh, yeah. That's not the one you want to look to. <laughs> no, but at the same time, you don't want to be like the WHL or the OHL where you're like, I think the WHL finally got an approval of like, yes, you can play games in in Regina, Saskatchewan in March 12th, which is like, great. You're going to play for like uh, two months. Like at that point, it's almost like, what's the point? They should do like uh, the Red Deer Rebels and all the teams have to live in their home arenas. Well, that's the, yeah, I think that's what some of the teams are going to plan to do. Um, and, and even that's crazy. Like, you know, these, these are teenage boys. Like you're going to give them a, an arena to run around in? Doesn't it sound great? <laughs> I feel like the best yeah. people forever. <laughs> well, well, as a pa- as a budding young parent, I'm frightened about all the things that could go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I 
think of all the stuff they're going to be able to get into at like two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, great. Coach is going to get a call, you know, get a call from on his cell phone. Hey, hey, somebody got locked in the popcorn machine again. <laughs> Lousy. On the rafters on the catwalk. Can't figure out how to get down. Yeah, you know, we decided to go drinking before we went to bed and, you know, somebody decided to, you know, mess with the uh, Zamboni machine and now a guy lost a leg. Like, <laughs> You could write a sitcom. Or, so, or one of the well, nobody does sitcoms anymore. They do these stupid dark reality, co- dark comedies on HBO Max and Netflix and all these other channels that everybody pays for, but nobody watches because it's not Friends or The Office. <laughs> fair point. Yeah. So the Flyers were meant to start practicing next week, and one assumes that is not going to happen. No. Uh, they were supposed to play the Rangers on Thursday. Going to go ahead and assume that's not going to happen. And then, of course, the week after that was meant to be the Tahoe game, which I'm assuming not going to happen for the Flyers anyway, which is like a super, super bummer. When do you envision, I mean, is there any guess as to when the Devils are going to start back up? I'm guessing with 18 players on, it's like uh, well into the future. Although, honestly... If all of these guys got it at the same time, they'll probably all get better at the same time. So it could be like a week and a half and then everybody's fine. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's the weird thing that, okay. So here's one other development, one little wrinkle that just makes things weirder for New Jersey because nothing is ever straightforward, Kelly. So Amanda Stein, who works for the New Jersey Devils, she's kind of like their in-house beat reporter. So basically she's a megaphone for the team. Mm -hmm. Announced on February 11th, which was yesterday, uh, Thursday, uh, that they opened up their facility for training. Hmm. Now, that's curious because part of the postponement isn't just, hey, there's no games. It's also there's no team activities, there's no gatherings, and there's definitely nobody, you know, for training. Nobody's, there's no gym work, there's no video sessions. There's not going to be video sessions now. Every, every, all that has to be remote, but there's no practice rank. And I know that for the Devils, Binghamton, the Binghamton Devils, they don't, thankfully, do not have any positive cases. They started their season in Wilkes-Barre, Scranton, so they kind of had to shift things around a little bit. Um, but they started their season, and they're going to play in the Prudential Center's uh, practice rink, the unfortunately named RWJ Barnabas Hockey House. <laughs> Let's hear it for uh, medical mergers and awkward names for practice rinks. Uh, the RWJ BHH will host the Devils' Uh, the Binghamton Devils games starting next week. So maybe the facility had to be opened in preparation of that. But to your point, if that's the thing, like if I saw that like 10 names came off the list today, I would say, yeah, I think you're right. I think everybody's getting better around the same time. And that would make sense why the training facility is now open. Cause now you can put, have a practice. You have bought enough bodies for that. You know, PK Subban and miles Wood do not have to do everything themselves at this point. Uh, but nobody has come off the list today. And I'm not so confident it's enough people are going to come off the list by Monday that they're going to get ready for a Tuesday night game against our hated rivals at the world's most overrated arena on Tuesday. Um, to your point, I just like with the Flyers, I'm not supremely confident that game's going to happen. I'm not going to be super shocked if the 18th against Boston is going to be po- is going to happen. And wouldn't you know it, that Devils game on next Saturday would be a afternoon another afternoon game against Buffalo. 
who I'm sure are not happy with the Devils organization at this juncture in time really? and may make for some uh, on-ice beef that we have not seen before. When did this start for the Devils? I can't remember. How long has this been going on for you guys? So the Devils, the last Devils game, the Devils, nah, the last game the Devils played was on January 31st. So that's 12 days ago. So everything blew up on Monday the 1st, and I think that's when the first postponements came. And it was meant to be just for uh, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, which was going to be against Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, and our hated rivals. And then all of a sudden it became, oh, we also postponed the 9th against Pittsburgh. And then it was going to be, oh, the Devils are going to play against Philadelphia, which would have made this podcast much more relevant with mm-hmm. respect to the concept of playing hockey games. And we were going to have a nice Valentine's Day uh, prelude with two games against the second-rate rival Philadelphia Flyers. Um, but obviously, that did not happen. <laughs> that got postponed on the 8th, so four days ago, to, ki- to kick out the 11th, the 13th, and the 15th. So that's that's the timeline for New Jersey. So logically, you'd think people would be getting healthier by now. The fact that they haven't makes me concerned. So do you think that given what we talked about before with the whole points percentage thing. Right. I'm wondering what the threshold will be. How many games a team has to miss before they decide that they can't wedge them into the schedule somewhere else? Because it's going to, in a 56 game schedule where it's already pretty tight. Yeah. If a team misses six or seven games, wedging them in to the season is going to get a little bit tough and it's going to make things very, very tight. Oh, absolutely. I mean, when the Devils... How that's going to um, happen. You know, the Devils had four games postponed. Buffalo had four games postponed, and it led to 13 game changes for the Devils, um, involving teams like Philadelphia, teams like Pittsburgh, who haven't been affected by COVID at that time. Like, at that time, Philly had nobody on their list. Um, yeah. And yet their games were getting moved around. I mean, unfortunately, when you have to make up postponed games, everybody in the East gets affected. It's not just New Jersey and whoever the opponent was. Right. And um, unfortunately, the the NHL was clever enough to fit everything in without having to ask the NHLPA for a waiver to that three-game rule. Um, There's a rule that, unlike the AHL, you can't play three games in a row. Like, you can't play three days in a row, rather. Mm-hmm. Um, you You know... But the NHLPA either has to maybe say, look, for this season, we'll allow it just to fit it in. Or if May 8th is truly a soft regular season end date, maybe you extend it out by a week or two just to fill in the games that were lost and say, hey, these are just makeups. You know, it is what it is. And and again, it's all within the division. So New Jersey having to play an extra week later, it you know, I'm sorry, North Division, but you have to wait a week. So, so deal with it, uh, you know, but uh, I think if that May 8th date is a hard date to end the season or we get to a point that we have so many postponements that a week or two can't make it all up. I think that's when you have to start looking at canceling games outright. And I think the plan will still be to do the top four teams in the division by points percentage for the playoff spots. But imagine. Yeah. But again, like everything else during this global pandemic you got to keep it fluid because everything can change at any given moment i mean case in point you know right now the devils have the fourth best point percentage in the league in the division like they would be a playoff team right now um and they would probably be playing boston which funnily enough the devils (laughs) handed them 
two of their not well they handed them one of their non-wins this season so it's not a complete blowout i would imagine but you know i this is all the big concern i have and i think the other devil fans are, are concerned about is the fact that it's affecting new jersey now it's affecting buffalo now and now that philly has it when is the shoe going to start dropping for the islanders for the rangers for, right. for boston for washington right and, and that said that leads to cancellations for exactly. all teams, not just the teams affected. So it's almost like if that's the thing that, that I worry about is that if you don't for, let's say, and I'll buy into your thing that you don't have to shut down the league because other teams are fine. Right. The mass mutual East division right now seems a bit, a bit of a clusterfuck as far as the virus goes. Yes. Perhaps this division needs to be put on the shelf for like two weeks. Because two weeks, everybody should clear out. Like, that's what they say, right? You get it, two weeks, you're done. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the rule that's, of thumb. You, you isolate for two weeks. So two weeks. By that point, anyone who has it should have run its course. You know, I know that they can't, they're not doing a bubble. But maybe, like, politely request that you do not go to your local shop, right, to do the food shopping. Perhaps yeah. you need your wife or girlfriend to do it. Yeah, like, that's what that's what they actually enforced in the recent updates to the COVID protocols. The base, they're telling all the players, if you are home, do not go out unless you it, absolutely positively have to. The Which, wording of it who knows is how very, they'll do that. Yeah, the, the wording of it is very, we request that you try not to. Yeah, I mean, the it's NHL can't really enforce that. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. They're not going to have somebody at somebody's house going, hey, hey, Couturier, hey, where, where'd you get that bag of McDonald's? No. And Sean has to go, uh, uh, I found it outside of my backyard. Also, I'm Southern now all of a sudden. <laughs> well, I mean, he is from Alberta, so. <laughs> I, I just, I, I would imagine, I'm working under the assumption that for the most part, these guys are already doing that kind of stuff. Like, for example, if these guys live in Philadelphia, it was just today that they opened the restaurants up at 50% capacity. There's not a whole lot of like, socializing and partying that one can even do around a bunch of strangers in the city of Philadelphia right now. So I don't really think that these guys are going out and picking it up someplace else. I think they're right. getting it on the ice playing games and we're no one's supposed to acknowledge that that's happening. And I just worry that if you don't put some kind of buffer time-wise in, it's just going to keep happening. And then it's like, how many times are we going to cancel games? Like, how many players can a team afford to go down? Because theoretically, if you have like seven guys on the COVID protocol, you could ice seven AHLers and play a game. Well, that's why they have the taxi squad. Yeah, <laughs> that's, 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 I mean, it's meant yeah. the ta whole point of the taxi squad was like if you get one person on the list, it's like okay, one person's on the list. Call somebody up from your taxi squad that's already with you. Yeah. Um, which fine, fair, but to your point. Yeah, you can call up seven AHLers. I think the challenge starts becoming in a case like New Jersey, for example, where all of a sudden it's like you go from two, three active players, Zajac, Palmieri, and Blackwood at the time, to all of a sudden 10 active players. It's like... Yeah, you can't do anything with that. Exactly. At that point, it's like you would be cannibalizing and also putting your AHLers at risk of catching the virus because yeah. if it's in the room, so to speak, if a staffer has it, a coach has it, a scout has it, you know, it's a virus. <laughs> it travels. It could be on it a lot. There's a lot of different pathways to uh, to um, infection here. So, I don't know you, but I had gotten over the course of the last month 
very comfortable with hockey being back in my life. Yep. And once again, like bereft without. (laughs) Well, (laughs) well, yeah, I completely agree. I mean, you know, shortly before we recorded, you know, I came up with this rude analogy that uh, this is the equivalent of being taken to an amusement park after waiting months to go to this amusement park. You go on one ride and then you get pulled out to say, whoa, we got to go away for three hours, but we can go back in three hours, maybe. And while you're waiting in the parking lot or waiting in the field outside of the amusement park, wishing you could go back in, you're we're concerned that you're going to get diarrhea like your siblings and you're watching all the other kids in the amusement park, um, you know, just having fun, except for the one kid wearing a whale shaped in the form of a C. They're, they're kind of having a tough time right now. <laughs> and you're sitting there going, I was waiting months for this. Why? Why? I know why I can't go in. I, I could have the runs here and that would be bad for everybody. But why, where, where's my amusement? I'm having no amusement here. Yeah. It's like a, a mixed bag of selfishly wanting to continue to be entertained by professional athletes, but also not wanting any of them to get sick. Yeah. It's a mess. And and on top of that, you know, to add to that, you know, for us here in New Jersey, I'm in New Jersey, um, you know, we're entering now a year of this. So a lot of, a lot of places have for, for lack of a better term, sorted out something to do in the meantime, like, you know, your local restaurant may have put into place, um, you know, a delivery app like Slice or Uber Eats or, you know, Postmates or whatever. You know, your local shop right, you know, has rules that will say, hey, you have to go down the lo- lines, a cer- uh, the aisles a certain way. Um, you know, schools figured out some form of hybrid learning. Workplaces have rules in place. And, and now in my case, for my day job, you know, I work remotely. You know, a lot of businesses, for lack of a better term, figured out what to do. So yeah. this way you could at least do something. And sports is a business. It's a multi-billion dollar business. And, you know, you've got people who have devoted large parts of their lives, if not most of their lives, to do this sport, whether they're a coach, a scout, a, a player, a prospect. And it's like, there's so much investment in there that it's almost like ridiculous to say, how come we're okay with letting ShopRite be open where we could possibly have that be a day-by-day super spreader event? Well, we know why. It's food. You need food to live. But at the same time, they figured it out. Why can't we, the NHL, or we, the NBA, or we, MLS, or we, the NFL, figure something out too? And yeah. unfortunately, you know, you, you eventually get worn out by a lot of this stuff when you wake up every day realizing, well, I didn't get sick today, so what are we doing here? Yeah. It's just, you know, it's hard sometimes, I think, for people to remember that in this analogy, the players are the cashiers and the shelf stockers. And even though they were technically given the opportunity to opt out, you know how that, you know, none of them are going to do that. You know how they're not going to pass up a year of their very short careers. There's the whole toughness thing. Like no one's going to, you know, want to be the pussy that doesn't play hockey because he's scared of getting a, cold or whatever like especially if they didn't get it yet yeah <laughs> like, why, so- why are you opting out you didn't get sick yet eh. yeah, there was just no way that that any of them were going to take the opt out unless they had you know 
like to Garask a sick kid or something like that. Like there was just no yeah. way it would happen. So at the end of the day, these guys are essentially being forced to play because they have to. Yeah. And, and it just kind of sucks. It does. Unfortunately, there's no, you almost in a sense have to, fairness has been kind of thrown out the window in a sense. And <laughs> not to be even more unfair about it. Like I don't feel a ton of sympathy for the players in that sense, because their union agreed to this. If well, anything, I mean, like, listen, like they took a vote on it and everything. Like they had their opportunity to say no, and they didn't say no. They said, yeah, let's do a season. So I don't, you know, I'm not going to keep you for another 45 minutes with me complaining about the NHL players association. <laughs> no, I know. I know we, we, I could do an hour about them. <laughs> The I know most you can ineffectual do. union I've ever seen in my entire life. Like I don't know what the point of them is, but whatever. Oh, I, oh, have you ever read um, Russ Conway's Gross Misconduct? No, I haven't. I would highly recommend reading that, and you'll get a better sense of why the NHLPA is what it is today. Even though the book is about how the the early years of the union and why a lot of older hockey fans hate Alan Eagleson. I actually might check that out. Yeah. I it's a, it's a good read. I got nothing else to do right now. Might as yep. well read the book. Yeah. All right, John. I think that I have kept you long enough, and I think we've done enough complaining collectively, mostly me. But that's, that's kind not of fair. All. I've done lots of venting. <laughs> I felt I felt Philadelphia-ish to vent. <laughs> there we go. Sometimes you just have to get it out. So hopefully, you and I will be chatting again ahead of a Flyers and Devils game. Hopefully. Sometime in the near future. Yep. Uh, but, yeah. According to the schedule, assuming there's no other changes, and let's be real, there will be changes. Uh, March 23rd would be the next Devils Flyers game. March 23rd. Yep, March 23rd. Right. Not only is it a long time, but the Devils, in between, then will finally get to play their first game against Washington, and then pretty much play half of their games against Washington <laughs> in the year just before they play Philadelphia. Uh, what was supposed to be a fifth time, but. That, you can just throw that schedule out the window. It's getting changed. That, yeah, that's true. There's there's really no reason to look at it. The Flyers actually had that with the Rangers. We didn't play the Rangers for like the whole first month, and then all of a sudden it was like three Rangers games in two weeks. But yeah, whatever. John, thank you so much for doing this. Hopefully we have some hockey to watch. Although yep. I guess we could technically watch other teams, but that's boring. Well, it's not boring. It's just different. It's not the same, you know? Like, I like college hockey in theory, but, like, watching it is always a bit of a challenge because it's like, again, I went to Rutgers, so we didn't, we don't have a D1 program at Rutgers yet. Um, but, you know, it's like, yeah, this is, this is definitely hockey. It's not as good as the Devils. It's not as fast. <laughs> it, it's styled a lot differently. But hockey? Question That's mark? Nice. And then I... And then I just hit continue on my next my next game in Football Manager 21 that I'm horribly addicted to. <laughs> Whatever gets you through, right? Yeah. U.S. Boulanger this summer forever. <laughs> All right, John. Thank you so much. No problem. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's 
magical.